0: Welcome back to another episode of the Forging Better Humans podcast. We are going to be talking with Coach Casey today. We've known, or I've known Casey for probably 10, a little over 10 years now. I met her as a coach at another gym and her level of athleticism back then was very impressive. And today, 10 years later... I mean, it's even better. So, uh, wanted to take a couple minutes for you to get an opportunity to, to meet Casey, um, find out what drives her uh, as a coach, and what drives her in her career, um, get to know a little bit more about her, and um, you know, and just take some time to chat about you know what it takes to be a better human and obviously a leader in our community. Casey's definitely one of the leaders on our staff that a lot of our members look up to, uh, and she's a great great mentor for a lot of our people. So what I want to kind of start talking about is like, how did you get into law enforcement? So you're in law enforcement. You've been in it ever since I've known you. Um, one of my wife's favorite stories is she met you at a car accident and, uh, but she wasn't in the car accident. She was on the property and, and, uh, I guess you knew me and she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's my husband. So yeah. So like how long,
1: why, why law enforcement?
0: What, what intrigued you there? What was that all about?
1: So I have been in law enforcement now for coming up on 13 years, um, be 13 years in August. Um, I have fortunately been blessed with, um, I guess kind of that intuition, just knowing what I've wanted to do my whole life. Right. Um, it's kind of a funny story, a little corny, but that's the truth is I was probably about four or five years old, uh, right when the TV show Cops was becoming popular, so early 90s, late 80s, and uh, my I dad- I had a different perception of Cops when I watched it. Yeah.
0: It's like, I never wanted to be caught. Going.
1: <laughs> so, I, I was- uh, I thought it literally was the coolest thing I've ever seen where these people get to go to work and chase down and yeah. hunt bad dads. Of course, Cops is- edited and chopped and they only really show the cool stuff that cops get to do so it'll fool you a little bit with what the enforcement actually is sure. but uh, I saw it and literally as a, as a small child I was like I want to do that um, my dad was in the military he was in the Navy so he was always really supportive of that just a, a service type aspect right. um, and supported me my whole life um, I grew up and you know even through elementary school middle school high school I just never changed my mind I always kind of stuck with it thought it was cool and, and stayed after it so graduated high school and went to a community college for a little bit in Orlando and then as soon as I was old enough 19 you have to be in the state of Florida um, I went and started up at the police academy got hired when I was 21 years old and been doing it ever since so you're not just a police officer though, like you, and this kind of leads more to like the better human part of it, the drive that you have towards your training, um, your lifestyle, different things like that. Um, you,
0: I don't think that you could just settle on being a cop, right? You have pushed and elevated yourself to, I would say, probably one of the more extreme positions in law enforcement. Like talk about that a little
1: bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, I have always kind of had the mentality as well, um, if you're going to do something, then you should be the best right. at it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I when I first started in law enforcement, I knew also that I kind of wanted to take the canine route. Um, That's not always a route that is uh, readily available when you do join law enforcement. It's something that you have to get a little bit of experience in patrol and just doing the routine type stuff Um, and then work your way up to that position. Um, So in the meantime, when I first started, there was not a position available. But I got lucky enough that there was a swap position available. And I learned that at the agency in the county that I started at, uh, there had never been a woman who even passed. The SWAT trial, the physical part of the SWAT trial. So, okay. to tie it all together, uh, that's actually how I found and started CrossFit. So, you know, Lou Bell and Nick. Uh, so, Lou Bell, I went to high school with Lou Bell, graduated with her and was friends with her on Facebook and saw that she was doing this crazy type workout stuff. And I saw a couple videos of her just repping out pull ups. Well, that was always the part that the women. Just failed for the SWAT tryout. Right. And I knew I could maybe do one chin over bar, but I knew it's minimum five. And then obviously anything added on top of that, you're going to get more points. So I saw her doing, I saw the videos of her doing pull-ups and I was like, I got to get me some of that because I I need to be able to do pull-ups to pass this tryout and to get what I want. So went down there and met up with her and, uh, got into it and started from there. So, Uh, I ended up trying out for SWAT. I didn't make it first. There were actually two guys who beat me in the tryout. They had a little bit more experience than me. And of course, they're men who are in great physical condition. So um, I wasn't expecting to come out. First in all of that, but I knew I I could be competitive. So a couple months after the trial, I ended up getting selected and I was the first woman to be uh, selected for the SWAT team at my agency within the the entire county. So that was kind of something cool that I, I don't say, you know, hang my hat on, but it was something that kind of changed my mentality and changed my mindset and just kind of proved to me that if you want something, you're going to have to work hard for it, especially in this profession. Um, you're competing against mostly men who, when they're at their top physical condition and you're at your top physical condition, it's still going to be extremely competitive for you and a little bit more difficult for you. So I tried not to walk around with like a chip on my shoulder, but I would say it was like a chip, maybe like in the back of my head that just reminded me um, you're going to have to work harder than everybody else and if you really want to be taken seriously and you want to prove yourself and you want to be the best version of you then you're going to have to kick some ass so but well, you didn't just do that once. You do that
0: all the time. <laughs> like, it's not right. So like, yeah, you might have gotten you didn't make it in the first spot trial, but you eventually got on. So you, you didn't give up and you continue to do that. Right. You continue to chase other things. Um, a few years ago, you did Bad to the Bone. You were selected for that. Right. Yeah. Um that's Steve Austin's show. Oh, that's
1: the Broken Skull Challenge. Broken
0: Skull, yeah. yeah. Broken Skull Challenge. Which would you don't mind talking about that? Yeah, that's fine. It was really cool. Um, knowing that you got selected that, knowing you watched the show, um, going through all that different type of stuff. I mean that's just, can you talk about how that started? Where? How did you even get invited to that?
1: So, a friend of mine uh, saw advertisement that they were like looking for people to sign up. And she was like, You should sign up for that. You should yeah, sign absolutely. up for that. Absolutely. And I was like, Yeah, I was kind of thinking about it. I, like, I had a bunch of other stuff going on at the time I was going through, but I'm like, Yeah, hey, what the hell? I'll, I'll try it out. So, I sent in like a little application. You fill out a little something online and I submitted it. And it was literally like months and months and months before somebody reached back out to me. And then, after that the process went really fast they uh, did like a Zoom meeting with me and um, I had to do some really embarrassing things that God if they ever if that reel ever gets out anywhere I'd like to apologize to my family in advance for anything I said or did on that uh, but you know they're looking, Upcoming for, podcast. <laughs> they're looking for showmanship in that I mean obviously they're trying to sell views and all that so they're sure. looking for the, the reality type personality kind of stuff And yeah, yeah. well if you know me personally, I do have that kind of personality for it to be like forced was a little awkward for me. So uh, I'm not an actor by any means. I'm just, I'll straight up say what I'm thinking. And if somebody tries to like feed me lines and stuff like that, but the the overall experience um, is really cool. I ended up getting selected. Um, They flew me out to LA, got picked up in a van with all of the women that I was competing against we did like a we had to go to a doctor's office the first day, get like a full workup physical and make sure we were all in good shape. Right. And then the next day we started filming, um, and, uh, spoiler alert. If you, uh, haven't seen the show and if you plan on watching it, um, I did a firefighter as sad as I am to say it. Uh, you didn't have to say that. I love the the I know they love it. We go back and forth, but, uh, yeah. but no, it was a full experience. And, um, I think, again, I just... I've always kind of had that competitive nature. Um, and so, I, I try to apply that at work as well. Um, you know, the SWAT thing. So, yeah, I only had to try out once. I just had to kind of wait because they oh, picked I two guys before me. Um, but it definitely was... Um, an experience. I still. I'm getting older now. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Obviously, I'm getting a little older now, but I still mentally um, haven't felt myself slow down to that. All right, let me take a back seat and let you know. Kind of, I can't help myself, man. If, if my job's to look for bad guys and, and find them and you know take them to jail, so if I see the opportunity to do that, I can't help myself. Yeah, after, it's like squirrel and, you know, on, So, yeah. um, but you've got to be trained up for that. Sure. Sure. And, uh, you know, the position I'm in now, uh, working a dog is, uh, if you ask any canine handler, they're going to say this. Everybody else, they might have a different opinion, but you know, we think very highly of ourselves, but we're really the tip of the spear Um, when it comes down to it, when, you know, shit's hitting the fan and, They need to find somebody. That's what the dog is. He's a locating tool. So we got to find this guy one way or the other. And the dog is is the way to do it. So it's paws before boots. That's what I say. So his paws are on the ground before the boots are on the ground. And uh, I'm just lucky enough to kind of hold the leash and be his Uber driver. So... That's cool <laughs> shit. So you train here at Iron Legion a lot. We see you around here a lot, but you don't
0: train here every single day. So can you talk about, obviously you've got to do work with your dogs. You have to do work with your department. You have to do, I imagine there's other training that we don't see behind the scenes here. I mean, obviously I see you train here all the time. You kick ass, but like there has, there's some stuff you're doing outside that's specific to your, your stuff, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So what does what a normal training week look like for you?
1: Physical training for me. Um, I'm trying to move my, my training. My mentalities had to change a little bit. Again, getting older, I've had some injuries that have slowed me down a little bit and just kind of brought to light that um, I'm not at a point in my um, athletic career, if you will. It's like I've kind of reached a point where... I'm not trying to PR anything anymore. You know what I mean? Um, I'm I'm doing things now that are more beneficial to me to keep me moving, keep me active and prevent injury in my job. So I'm more focused now towards being in the best physical shape for work and what my job tasks require of me. Um, And that's why I do like CrossFit and that... You know, the, the programming and stuff, because, again, it's how do you train for the unknown. It's like you got to be ready for everything. Right. So um, I try to do some kind of CrossFit style workout um, at least three times a week. Um, I try to run at least once a week, a couple miles. Uh, or if I can throw that into my training, then I'll do that as well. I train with my dog. We have unit training once a week. It's weekly, so I'm getting reps with him, moving around with him, um, keeping his mind sharp, keeping my mind sharp with what he does. Um, and then I like to do James's Tactical Athlete class, just moving around the awkward stuff because I feel like those are the type of things that obviously... How do you prepare for? I don't know what... I have to work tonight. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. To work. Right. I have absolutely right. no idea. So, um, I might be sitting in my car for, you know, seven hours. Hopefully not. Try to get out, move the dog around, take him for a little jog or something with all my equipment on. Um, and, you know, I might go on a two mile track or be looking for somebody in a swamp for, you know, two plus hours. So, I have kind of focused my training to just be prepared right. for, for that and, and whatever that may be. So when you have to turn it on, you can turn it on. Absolutely. Which is a big reason why um, I definitely try to get into Jiu Jitsu at least once a week. Um, my schedule changed a little bit. Hopefully be able to come a little bit more. Yeah. Um, a force to be reckoned with on yeah. the mats. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a huge part of what I do. And You know, while not every case that I'm working is going to be a use of force, I never want that oh shit moment to be when I'm at work and I've got my hands on a bad guy. Um, So for me, the best way to mentally prepare and really actually feel you can't simulate fighting somebody. You can't. It doesn't matter what kind of workout you're doing. That's why we roll, you know, because you can't simulate that. You can go through the moves and, and you can get the routines but as far as when somebody grabs a hold of you and throws their arm around your neck, there's no feeling like that except for somebody throwing their oh, arm neck. around your neck, Sorry. right? And starting to choke you. So for me, that's why I like to come in. I like to roll with different people at uh, different levels. It helps me understand the way people think. And it also helps me understand... So when we're rolling, we're doing jujitsu, you know, your goal is to obviously get a submission move or or something like that. So it's more of an offensive thing for you, which is nice because if I'm ever in a situation at work where I'm hands on with somebody and they start, you know, grabbing me like they're going to put me in an arm bar, I can go, oh, shit, this guy might know what he's doing. And then I know I have to step up my level of response to that. So a lot of police training uh, as far as that goes is far behind the curve than it should be. Um, But, you know, it's defensive. It's it's extremely defensive and people don't realize that and you wonder why there's so many shootings and stuff that are broadcast for the police but it's really because of the lack of people don't do that they should they should but cops aren't going out there and rolling once twice a week and going oh this is what it feels like when you're on the ground with somebody on top of you whether or not somebody knows again experience level I, i was rolling with your brother last week and you know not to discredit john in any way but john's pretty much like average build guy. I mean, he's, he's tall. He's not in bad shape. Right. But if you saw John walking down the street, you're not going to be like, oh, that guy's kind a of fighter. Right. So I wouldn't know that on the road. So if, you know, John had some kind of crazy felony warrant and I went to grab him, well, I know. If John gets me in a full mount position and he's got my wrists thin, I don't have a lot of options. And John's just an average dude. So I have to... Practice that, and I have to get in that mindset to say, okay, when you get to this point, this is when you know shit's about to go real bad for you. So, right, but you're learning that on the mats, right? Like you're
0: saying, is that oh shit moment. Is with people that you're training with, exactly. versus that oh shit moment being out in the streets in a bad situation. Right, right. Um, so talking to one of our members, he actually was one of our coaches, um, talking about how you know they want to do a little bit more jujitsu, they want to have more self-defense, that type of stuff. Um, but always, it's always the um, I just don't like touching people. Right, <laughs> it's always this I don't like touching people shit, and that's the personal boundary type of stuff. And I'm like. I tried to explain to them, you know, there's a there's a level of confidence that comes with training with partners that um, more times than not, that that air, that confidence follows you around outside of the gym. So if you're training with partners that care about you, they don't want to hurt you doing those types of things, but you're all getting better together. You're becoming more and more confident. Um, So if you're loading your kid into the car or something like that you've got a look and a stance or something like that, where people are probably going to be more inclined to be like, nah, I don't think I want to talk with that person. It looks like too much work. Right. And I said to that person, I said, think about when you're loading your kid into the car and when Casey's getting into her car, right. You're not doing anything aggressively, but who's the better target it's pretty easy to see it, who the better target is. It's not that it's not a physical, maybe it is a physical stance, but it's a physical, mental, like a charisma type thing that you carry around this confidence. is one of the things that training is good for. Um, so not that you have to be a SWAT officer. You can be just a regular citizen, a regular person, as long as you're training something like this, right? You gain that bit of confidence that you can take out to the streets. I like to call it FAFO, oh, fuck around, find out type stance. Right. right? And when you fuck around find out with any of our people, if you're going to find out real quick, they train. Yeah. Right. Um, so I kind of, I always appreciate having you on the mats as a female showing women that it's okay to get in here and do this stuff and talking about just what you talked about. Is so important um, being able to train in a scenario like this we're not, not necessarily that safe. I hate to say safe because kind it of sounds too easy. But, I mean, people are trying to win. You know, I'm trying to submit you every time that we, we go at it, right? So and he really um, does. Sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I've got a couple. The um, But you want to do that here that way that carries out. So it's not so much that you know every single jiu-jitsu move going out, but it's like, hey, I know some basic fundamental skills.
1: I think that, I mean, that's a great point. And I've always kind of lived by that as well. I've actually said that um, I was a training officer for a little bit before I got this canine position. And one of my trainees was kind of meek and you know it was a male and he was just kind of like he tried to play the nice guy try to be nice to everybody and I don't have a problem with that but you have to be nice while also communicating to people that I'm going to be nice to you, but you do not want to fucking fight me. Right. I will be nice to you, but I mean, nice to you for your benefit, because if we go head to head, I am going to fight you. And I, I, I explained that to him. I said, if we show up to a call and the guy on scene already has his mind made up that when the cops get here, he's going to, he's going to kill the cop. He's going to kill a cop. I said, and you and I get out of the car. I said, who's he going to kill first? Me or you? And he goes, probably me, ma'am. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You, you, <laughs> because you're the better target and that's what you know humans are animals and that's what predators do right they're gonna look for the weak the easy target and you know women in in general um, are easy targets I pray for the day that somebody picks me but it just hasn't happened yet you know right. um, but you, you do you have to carry yourself in a, in a way that communicates to other people that you're not the one you're not the one and I think that I've really tapped into that and learned a lot from training dogs because dogs don't speak our language. So we have to get on their level and speak their language. And one of the best explanations, we're training the dogs essentially to be fighters, right? We're training them to roll. So when we're doing apprehensions, they're physically making contact with the human being, which is something that isn't technically natural for a dog to do, but we're training him to do it and as the decoy, as the person who's getting bit, you have to teach the dog how to fight. You have to teach him what works, right? And when it comes down to testing the dog's spirit, if you will, and whether or not he's got what it takes, he said, picture yourself in a bar, right? You're in a bar and you decide you wanna pick a fight. Can you pick a fight with somebody without saying a word to them? And the answer is yes, right? All by your body language and the cues that you're giving, right? Somebody starts staring you down, making eye contact with you, real awkward looking at you, won't blink, won't look away, starts puffing their chest up, right? Making little movements back and forth, just letting you know that they're ready, right? And you can kind of pull that out of somebody just by like faking it. It's like, this is is weird. I can tell like something is, is about to happen or something's going on. So you want the dog to see that, recognize that, feed off that and go, okay, let's do it. Right. And that's how you decide you know, which dog is going to work out, which dog isn't. Right? There's other little things you can do to test them. But I like to say, and I've said it before to some of my trainees, violence is a universal language. Now, not everybody is completely fluent in violence, but everybody understands it in some way, shape, or form. So when I'm on the road and I'm dealing with somebody who I can kind of tell is going through the motions in their head that it's going to be a fight or flight situation... I want to make physical contact with him because I want them to understand like, hey, I'm communicating to you that I'm not going to let you do either one of those things. Right. And I don't want you to run. But if you run, then it's going to eventually turn into fight because I'm going to go hands on with you and I'm going to do what I have to do to affect the arrest. So it's communicating your intent Without using words, right? And you know that's that's the basis for training the dogs. But it also works with people. Absolutely. I can communicate my intent. People do that with me at work on the opposite side, right? When I start talking to somebody and they're constantly trying to back away from me, or they're looking over their shoulder and they're trying to find those escape routes, they're not saying anything. They might be saying something like, "Oh, I'm not going to do anything," or "Okay, I'll, I'll do this." But without their words, you take the words out of it. What is their body telling? Body's oh, telling something completely different. Right. So those are the type of things where when it comes down to how you carry yourself and, and really it the root of it to me is what you think of yourself deep down in your own mind. Do you have it in your mind like, well, number one for me, again, with my competitive nature and just who I am as a person, I'm not gonna lose. Not gonna lose, you're gonna have to kill me, and I'm gonna make it really hard for you to kill me. Right. But I'm not gonna lose. So carrying that mindset in my head and it just starts to seep out of you. And the more that you train and the more that you practice and the more reps you get that just solidify that I'm not gonna lose, I know what to do in the situation. I know what this feels like, I'm prepared. So when it comes down to it, I can go, okay. All right, I know what to do at this point. Right. I know what to do now. I felt like this before. This is nothing new for me. This is just another day on the mats.
0: Right. Right. And no one's gonna trap you or surprise you in a situation like that in a in a normal environment, right? Unless it's probably something more set up. Right. Um and that's what I mean by carrying yourself with good confidence. And so that was the analogy that I was trying to explain to that particular coach was you know, training those reps doing those reps will give you that confidence. Yeah. Um, and allows you to get into you probably will never get
1: into that scenario because that comes out of you. Yeah. Right. So um I don't want to take too much more of your time.
0: I just kind of wanted to introduce who you are. We can have a couple more talks. We actually had some off-camera shit that I'd like to maybe bring back in some future podcasts too and talk about really cool shit as far as how, you know, you work with your dogs and different things and how how that kind of translates over with working with people too. I'd love to do more with that, I think, in the future. So I'd love to have you back on here pretty soon. But uh, thanks for coming on today. And uh, Casey... As our guest. And that is the end of Forging Better Humans podcast, episode number I Don't Know.
1: Thanks for having me.